two W. Directly from the Via Francigena, walking on the stones, the Roman stones. I'm Natalie. I'm Jeff. Normally on Talking to Walking, we were walking on some uh, stupid road with traffic going by or some nice path uh, that's gravel or, or pine needles or uh, occasionally, I don't know, grass. Today, on this stretch, we're walking on the actual historical Via Francigena yeah. from, uh, who knows, 900. Yeah, very or, old. Or 100. No, uh, yeah, I think it's, yeah, very Rome. It's uh, Roman. True. Okay, so this part. So they would use this road. Uh, uh, Julius oh. Caesar and Augustus Caesar would use this road to go to the northern parts of Italy. Yeah, it was the road that would cross for the, um, for exchanging, for the market, for uh, pilgrimage, for, yeah. It was the way that uh, that Napoleon came in from the north. It was the way that Julius Caesar went in from the south. It was the way that uh, countless numbers of people, merchants and uh, and um, raiders and evildoers and nice people have taken travelers travelers for thousands of years. And we're walking on it. It's nice. Yeah. Uh, it's peaceful out here. We just walked by a horse ranch where they're doing some kind of a chariot yeah. racing type thing. Uh, we're walking past a nice big farmhouse. Uh, beautiful day. We talked to uh, our friend Roberto a minute ago. He's from Parma. And uh, we were talking about the things we should try while we're in Tuscany. And he told about uh, the porsetta. Por yeah. Porsetta? Porsetta. Porsetta. Oh, por, 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 yeah, porsetta. Porchetta or porsetta. And tell me about that. It's a whole pork that they um, empty and then they fill it with, uh, they are seasoning it from the inside with herbs and salt and pepper and everything. And then they put it in the oven and they they cook it for a very, very long time, and apparently it's very good. Not very healthy because it's fat, but very, very, very good. So we'll try to find it and try. And also he told us to try the pic picorino. Oh yeah, the picorino, which is a cheese. And he said to try the Chianti, but uh, the Chianti varies greatly uh, depending on the farmer. You can buy a Chianti, you can buy a Chianti and have a really, really good wine, or you could buy a Chianti and have a really, really bad wine. So you kind of have to it's know. A it's a chance, or you have to you have to know or be from this region to know which ones are good and which ones are bad. Which is not our case. So in our case, it's going to be chance. For in our case, we're just going to go to the bar and say, "Give us a red wine." <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I mean, uh, we had some good red wines here when we asked in the bar, and we had some bad ones too. Yesterday it wasn't. Amazing. Yesterday wasn't amazing. The day before in uh, Luca wasn't amazing too. Wasn't amazing. No. I like the one in Luca. Uh, yeah, I don't know how you managed to drink all this wine that you drink, but I thought it was not amazing. I okay. thought that the one we had 
in uh, the both the ones we had, even the three that we have in had in uh, Pontremoli were good. But the first we one we had in Pontremoli. The first one was absolutely delicious. It was really good. Was the really second good. one was not so good. The second one was not so good. And if I think it's not so good, then it's probably not very good. No, no, no. The the second one. It's because it, the first one was so good that uh, when you have a different one. After that, it's, uh, I mean, it's not so good. Il termine in pietra. Okay, so, <laughs> uh, we're, we're passing this boundary stone pretty soon. I don't, there's a landmarker, and it says that uh, the boundary stone in Pietra Serena sandstone installed during the Grand Duchy of Peter Leopold II bears the reference number 13, which relates to the following mentioned technical documenta. And the general report on roads of 1812, this part of the road is described as in an appalling state to the extent where vehicles overturned. In an appalling state. Like it is, this is the worst road <laughs> in uh, the whole area uh, in 1812. Okay. And we're walking on it. So watch your step. Okay. This is the marker right here. Oh, yeah. There it is. Okay. Just want to check something. What do you think? I think it's bed bugs. Yeah. Because it it goes like that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, bad news. Oh, I can't believe it. Yeah. Well, we're gonna wash everything tonight. Okay, so we stayed in Alto Pasio last night, and we examined the bed before we slept, and we didn't see anything. And then this morning we woke up, we took off our cover, mattress cover, our um, sheet, and there was a bed bug. One bed bug, and uh, Natalie thought she had been bitten by mosquitoes, but she just looked, and it's actually definitely a bed bug bite. So. We washed all our clothes yesterday, and today we're going to wash all of our clothes and our bags and everything, and uh, hopefully we won't have this problem tomorrow. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So now, <laughs> that changes a few things, but uh, I think we should still do this episode of T2W. Okay. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Take your mind off the bed bugs for a bit. Yeah, but it's hard to take my mind off the bed bugs. Okay. Let's, let's do see. it. Number four. The Bolivian Revolution took 17 years. Why did it take so long? The? Bolivian? Bolivian Revolution. Are you familiar with uh, Bolivia? No. Uh, so why did it take so long? Probably because there's these stupid guys in the power. And uh, just like in Brazil now, where there's this, uh, this jerk who stays in the power and just doesn't want to get out. It's like a 
like this boyfriend who doesn't want to unstick or to, <laughs> to get off of you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Sometimes you have these people that uh, they they stick to something. Everybody says no, we don't. I don't want you. <laughs> But they stay. They stay. They they stick to it. And uh, I don't know. In the case of Brazil, the this guy who's the president right now, they impeached the the former president who was corrupt, but the least no. corrupt out of the, the entire lot of them. Yeah, I'm not sure she was, she was corrupt. She was actually... But she was cracking down on corruption of the others, and they couldn't no, have that. Yeah, she was, she was putting light onto the corruptions in Brazil, which is uh, a lot, a lot, a lot. And, uh, and so she was bothering. And so they put them, her out. And this guy, Tamir Kemp, comes in, and, and he has... The worst. He was not elected. He has 7% approval rating in the in the country. And he is one of the worst of the corruptors. And yeah, everybody hates him. And, and in Brazil, you see graffiti uh, saying... Fora Temer. Yeah. Everywhere. Everywhere. And uh, yeah, so in this case, this is, it's not a war, but uh, but the people are unhappy and this guy won't leave. And uh, you know, I guess the same could be said for, you know, in, Saud in, uh, in Syria, you have the Assad regime, which is backed by, you know, Russia and Iran. And uh, so they have, he has powerful backers, but the, the country, it's not good for the country. I mean, <laughs> the country's all left. Uh, but he's, he's a, a sticky guy and he doesn't want to leave. But... The Bolivian re Revolution was actually a different story completely. Okay, tell me. Uh, so what happened was, the people of Bolivia were unhappy. And, uh, and so they... And so they, they go to the king, and, uh, or I'm sorry, to the, yeah, the king. There is a, the king of Bolivia. His name was uh, King Juan Carlo. Juan Carlo, okay. Of course. King Juan Carlo V of Bolivia. And so the, the people were unhappy with King Juan Carlo V. So, King Juan Carlo V had, a, had this castle and he painted it purple and uh, and he put all these pink flamingos in the yard and everybody hated it they would because they would pass by this castle every day and they would have to look at this because they were proud of their country but they would have to pass by this castle with the, it was painted purple and they'd have to see all the pink flamingos in the yard every day so they said, we need to get this guy out of office. We need a democracy to vote on the color of the castle. And so they went to the king. They sent their representative. His name was also Juan Carlo, but he was the first in his family. Juan Carlo the first, 
goes to see one call of the fifth, and he says, we want a democracy. And the king says, fine. You can have it, but you have to beat me in a game. A game of chess. No, no, it's checker, checkers. I will only play this game with you once a year. And uh, so, he played checkers with him the first year and he lost. And so he had to go back the next year and uh, lost again. And uh, for the next 16 years, he lost every, every game of checkers. Till finally, he started studying the game and he studied every day and he worked really hard because he was thinking about his people and he was thinking about the purple castle and he was thinking about the pink flamingos and so he was inspired and he's like these last 16 years i just haven't been applying myself but now i have uh, i'm motivated and i'm gonna i'm gonna win for the people and so he played every day and he played with uh, with the best checkers players in the in the in bolivia and uh, so this time when he went up against uh, King Juan Carlo the, the fifth, uh, he was ready. And he actually beat him really easily. It just took a little preparation. And so Bolivia uh, gained their independence and they, uh, they repainted the castle, whatever color they wanted to. They removed all the pink flamingos, and instead they put uh, dwarves, you know, like Snow White, seven dwarves. They replaced the pink flamingos, they put dwarves instead. Okay. And uh, that's what happened. That's why it took so long. Okay. Okay, here we are. Uh, once again, with uh, Chris and Carlos from Environmental Encroachment from Chicago, they're, us. they're visiting uh, France for the, uh, what, what was the thing that you were doing in Marseille? You, um, uh, we were participating in an international brass band competition, uh, what is it, the International Day of Fanfare? Yeah, Concours International de la Fanfare in Marseille. And we, uh, we were actually the only uh, international band that was here. So we're international, yeah. it was international because you were here. Exactly, okay. yes. Well, there was a band from Bristol there. Oh, yeah, okay, well, we're this other international band. We made it more international. Yeah, yeah. Intercontinental. Yeah, we made it intercontinental. And we did well. And, and we, we won the People's Choice Award. Okay. So they love us. Okay. And and the way that I understood it is that each band put on a, a sketch, like a, a play or yes. a drama, a musical theater piece. Yeah. We kept it real simple, ours, because we, we had to travel. I don't think we knew how to uh, approach this, so this is new for us. Because you to hadn't seen any videos more. of the other ones? Uh, I did, uh, did you see any videos of it? I saw like maybe one or two. Yeah, just a couple, and, and none really stuck. None really yeah. like, you know, were that, I mean, 
I, I, but it was cool to see these uh, these skits. I mean, uh, Les, Les Vilains Chicot skits from here. incredible. We could yeah. do a whole separate podcast about that. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Skits were amazing. Really? Okay. Right, they yeah. were. We could totally do that. Yeah, Les Vilains Chicot Chico is a band from here. They're, from Paris, yeah. That's who uh, you're staying with. Yeah, I'm staying with, um, with Leopold from uh, Les Vilains Chicot, and he's been not, uh, nothing if not sweet and accommodating, and yeah, it was, it's, it's, he's been fantastic. And uh, so, but it's kind of rigged or something. Like the, 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 they already, they choose the winner ahead of time. I'm so I'm told. Okay. So I'm told. Okay. Well. And, uh, and you're coming back next year. Um. Only the fates know. Okay. Oh yeah, can't tell. But uh, to, but it's cool though because yesterday uh, we got we got sick a couple days ago, so we couldn't make it to your gig. But, uh, but yesterday I got to see you guys busking in Bercy, and it was really cool. Yeah. Because uh, it's the Hong Festival weekend, the Hong Boston yeah. Festival. Yeah. Yes, that's weekend. happening right now. And, uh, and we're missing it. But uh, we, what was the other brass band that played with you guys yesterday? That was um, Les Mustangs. Yeah, and it was an all female, all female, and one doctor playing. <laughs> Stayed up all night treating people from La Nuit Blanche. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you go? Yes. Yeah, yes, I did. Oh, good. We enjoyed yeah. that. That was really nice. Yeah, it's really nice. But uh, so you guys are visiting until tomorrow, and uh, but today we're talking about the Bolivian Revolution. Yes, we are. <laughs> it took 17 years, and uh, Bolivia was named after Simon Bolivar. Simon Bolivar, the uh, he he was basically this um, gadabout revolutionary who uh, was who pretty much uh, helped. Uh, liberate the uh, the entire continent um, of within the Spanish sphere, um, the like all the Spanish speaking countries in in, um, in 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 South America, from Venezuela to uh, Argentina and Chile. Okay. So I, I he traveled vast distances to do this, um, and I can only imagine how someone from the 18th century, uh, 18th and 19th century, who just um, would go would travel these vast distances, especially with the infrastructure that they had there. It's it's extremely impressive how he um, how he did that. And my uh, what I know I know very little exactly about how he did it. All I know there's there's names like some another like he had a guy called San Martin who was his lieutenant who was a major player in that. How he galvanized the the people um, against the the Spanish rule and that. Um, was he Spanish himself? Was he from I, Spain? Was he a noble, or was he? Uh, I think he was. I believe he was of. Um, I think he was from Venezuela, and he was. He was born on the continent. It would stand to reason, um, and that he, uh, that he somehow managed. To, I mean, the uh, for example, his his influence in, in, in Venezuela is very clear because their their currency is called the Bolivar, yeah. and the um, the revolution that's current that's that was being waged by Hugo Chavez uh, recently is called the Bolivarian Revolution, um, and hearkening to his uh, you know hearkening to the sentiments of the the early nineteenth century. Where he, you know, where he was operating. So, um, was Venezuela the first to be, to be liberated from Spain? Um, no, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm gonna say yes because it was um, the. I was gonna say yes because that's where he was from, right. and that the idea sparked this. The idea was sparked throughout the entire continent. I, I'm, I can only imagine that. Um, what the conditions were like, I can imagine they were like quite similar to what one would have found 
in uh, colonial America that the nobles were taking more than their fair share and that um, there was just a lot of taxes and a lot of just um, that they couldn't control their own destinies because of the uh, because of rule from Spain so um, apparently Simon Bolivar traveled the country uh, traveled the, the traveled the he had to travel like each country some way to like go in and foment uh, this revolution and get people um, I mean I wonder do you think he instigated it in each country or do you think that there were instigators in the country who said hey you had such luck down in Venezuela to come down to Chile and and help us with our revolution I'm thinking um, well the way that Again, like having to uh, travel vast distances with uh, like relatively primitive forms of communication, without telegraph, with only couriers to to, to deliver the news. Um, I'm sure that uh, like the couriers um, might have had a lot to do with uh, getting the message across. This is what happened, and like gal- like when when couriers came to like the next country, um, Colombia and Ecuador. Peru, uh, Peru uh, was actually Bolivia and Peru were were considered one province. Um, they were kind of uh, they were they split into two parts. Though there was a place called Alta Peru. That's what Bolivia used to be called before um, before uh, Bolivar came around. Or Bolivia, yeah, Bolivar was. Uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, they wouldn't call it Bolivia yet because he had yet to. Uh, right. But it's Alta Peru and uh, Potosi was, is a town in. There's a city in Bolivia uh, that was particularly prized by the Spanish because they were pulling a lot of a lot of silver, a lot of very good quality out of that out of the mines and uh, surrounding mountains. And so much so, it was became so renowned throughout uh, La, uh, Spanish the Spanish Americas that um, they named the uh, town in Mexico uh, San Luis Potosí because of the because of the, the silver that they found in, in Potosí in Bolivia. I've been to some yeah, I've been through there as well, just on the bus. Yeah, exactly. Me too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, did Peru gain their independence first from Spain? They did. Uh, Bolivia was the last country to gain independence from Spain. It, you know, it's a, it's a very mountainous country in, in the very strategic areas. Um, it's again, they had it. It was also like extremely rich in silver, and they, of course, didn't. They they held on to it for dear life, okay, apparently. Sure. So I think that's why, like, part of what what uh, maybe kept the uh, Bolivian Revolution from uh, from uh, going for like so long. But the, so the Peruvians had a had an armistice with Spain and said, okay, you guys keep the uh, Alta Peru, we're gonna keep the the Basso or something. It's it, uh, that stand again. That stands to reason. Um, all I know is that um, Bolivia. I mean, one thing that I guess it strikes me about the the fact that it took Bolivia so long uh, to get like to to get like. Um, Independent from from Spain is I mean, not only the terrain, but just sort of well, the fact that uh, Bolivia these days like is kind of a almost a forgot like it seemed like an almost forgotten backwater. Just um, it sounded it, it felt like they pulled all the silver they needed out of there, but um, again like uh, 
it, hark- it, it basically was a harbinger to the fact that Bolivia is one of the losingest countries in uh, the world as far as like the, uh, the history of war. Bolivia just got like chunks of it like taken out of it after um, after it became independent. Um, there, um, some years after it became independent, um, Chile stole its coastline, okay. and um, Paraguay took the Chaco away from uh, from Bolivia. So, like, hunks of Bolivia were like just cut off. Okay. Very, very uh, small yet very strategic parts of, of Bolivia were just like just conquered by the, their by their neighbors. This uh, the South American Revolution was it was it extremely bloody? Was it uh, was it a lot of battles or was it more of a, a will of the people against the Spanish? There, there was definitely like there were definitely bloody moments. I'm, I I wish I wish I knew a lot of like uh, the. Like the specific battles of the uh, of the Bolivian Revolution, um, but um, they again it, it was just a pro, it was a pro, long protracted struggle that just it, it it just seemed like okay this this goes on way too it just went on way too long and it just again very difficult conditions um, having to I guess fight through, through mountains and valleys and just just make progress um, but um, again the uh, I would imagine that it would, it would be so if, if I were Bolivian and, and I was a proponent of independence after 10 years or so and, and people are dying and there's these battles I would probably be like ah <laughs> like I would lose my uh, my motivation for this independence you know? right it would, it, would, it would mean less for me than, than peace you know? yeah well, I think that's well, because I, you're not there it's true and, uh, you Repression also of the Spanish, and because uh, I mean, imagine you're living your life fine in your place, and then these guys come by, and then you start paying taxes to do what you do on everyday life because they decide that that's not yours anymore. So, so I guess that yeah, people get a strong feeling of. Uh, uh, I don't know, uh, patriotism. Yeah. I would just say it would be hard. It would be hard to stay committed to the cause for so long mm-hmm. uh, against such such uh, adversity. But but yeah, I'm not in that position. Yeah. I'm not that person. I, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, consider the fact that it took like uh, from 1770. Well, it was like uh, there was there were like. Uh, I think there was the Boston Massacre. There was there are a few things that happened before uh, the United States became independent from uh, from Great Britain. That, that took from 1775, which is I guess the Boston Massacre, to 1783 uh, when uh, when Cornwallis decided to throw in the towel at Yorktown. Uh, so we're talking about like 75 to 83. That's uh, eight years. And the Bolivian Revolution took twice that amount. Yeah. Um, but I also think that it's not everywhere that it's been. Uh, I mean, uh, it's not on your everyday life that there are people dying around, and it's like uh, there are battles happening here, and then it starts happening in another place, right. and on this place it gets cooler, and then, uh, and then but the whole thing took uh, 17 years. Right. I mean, um, again, like, we're, I don't, 
I don't pretend to actually be a true expert on the Bolivian Revolution, but I plan this this conversation spurring me on to learn a little bit more. And I had this idea about um, once I learn more about it, I had this like idea or just fantasy about uh, writing an opera about the Bolivian Revolution and it's um, how pro you know the, like just. A, a, a battle, a, a struggle that took like 17 years to uh, has to have some like moments of drama and moments of just like despair, things that are just very like that that that, that just um, inspire you know to that would make a really good story and a very heroic opera. Yeah. And I had this dream like I would write this opera and then like I would I, I would present it to an opera company in Bolivia. Uh, see if they thought it was worth anything at all, and then now you have to do it. Yeah, I mean because <laughs> it's on tape now. Yeah, it's on tape. It's on record. But, but think about it. I mean, you could do uh, South American rhythms. You could do like uh, oh yeah. There's many possibilities for the music, and, right. and you don't really have that style of music in and opera. And you can have also some Spanish, so Europeans. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, I think I would, if I were to write anything like that, which again, I have no idea how to write an opera. I can barely write music anyway. Um, and Spanish is um, <laughs> well. Like, uh, Chris here, who's um, like he's a music educator. Uh, I think cool. you, you, and a musician. Yeah, and a musician. Um, and composer. Anyway. Yeah, composer. Yeah. All right. Okay. okay so I think I, I think I might, I think I might have a team. So it's like so you could lyricist and composer. Yeah. Right. I could figure it out how to say things in English and then like translate them eventually into Spanish. Um, Spanish is I'm a little stronger in Spanish than I am in, in French quite honestly this trip kind of um, proved that to me but um, French is hard French is hard it is and I've studied French since uh, since I was in, uh, since I was I think 13 he's been, doing, he's been our, our main guide uh, we had another bandmate uh, Jan who speaks very fluent French but he, only, he was only here for three days so okay. Carlos has been really yeah. a champion for us helping us get through everything he's doing a fantastic job yeah. well, and I guess you learned oh yeah every time you I mean we were in and we learned a lot. We learned a lot of Italian in a month. <laughs> yeah. A month and a half. I mean, I, I was like, the, the 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 aim and the goal is to always be learning. Um, you know, while we're traveling, traveling's about learning, and uh, so, I again like, uh, I one day I'll get back, I'll get to Bolivia, I'll learn a little bit more. But like in the meantime, through this grand miracle we call the interwebs. Um, I will uh, I will learn a little bit more about the specific uh, battles of the Bolivian Revolution and um, figure out like you know it's, it's 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 fascinating to me that it took that long and like it was such a sustained um, that it I, I would it, to me it seemed like it wasn't so sustained as it just kind of lingered a it's like almost a malingering of, of um, just of of revolution and struggle and that just it was sustained very like yeah you know, it was could wear one down you're right but and yet after it all the the, the lyric of the Bolivian revolution the, the the lyrics of the um, of the Bolivian national anthem um, Bolivians um, propitious fate has crowned our will and um, our will and our wishes now it's free it's free this land yeah but I would say that seventy years is that long. You know, because, I mean, for this guy, uh, Simon Bolivar, I guess it was something that, uh, it was his, his goal in life at some point, you know, I guess it was like, uh, he, he started with this and at some point he, he was, he, he was... Committed? Yeah, he was, commi he was committed to it and he was, what would, you know... 
make him feel alive and uh, go for it and uh, and uh, make every niche country independent of from uh, Spain. But when you talk about 17 years, now you hear many people talking about uh, you know they've been working in this company for 13 years or, and uh, and they didn't quit. Right. Yeah. So 17 years. I mean, uh, 17 years. I arrived in France 17 years ago. And you're still here. It's I'm still here. Struggle. Yeah. You know, and, uh, I, of course, many things happen, but uh, I mean, it's uh, it's in the grand scheme of things, it's not that. In the grand scheme of things, no, it's not no, no. Short. In, a, in a lifetime, it's, For, uh, it's short. Right. Seventeen years is short. Right. For exactly. Revolution, it's long. Well, consider the fact that, like, um, the the Russian Revolution had a um, well, it had its origins in um, like uh, eight, uh, 1905, and then like um, it, there was a there was a bit of a struggle, and then like by um, so that there there was like, it took 12 years from from 1905 to like um, 1917, you know, in the in the maelstrom of World War Two. Lenin got his Bolsheviks together and said, "We're going for it." Uh, and then, come almost like, you know, things take a t take time to like foment, and then there's a grand uh, there's a grand push, and then next thing you know, you've got you've you've overthrown the czar, you know. <laughs> we uh, when we when we talked about this on the on the Via Francigena, uh, I was in the bad mood that day. Well, <laughs> what had happened was we had stayed we had stayed in this place called Alpapasio in, in Italy, and uh, and we woke up and we were taking uh, our bedding off the bed, but we found a bed bug in, in the bedding. Oh dear! And so she killed it, and uh, and we, we were like, oh, good thing we had this this uh, mattress cover on. Yes, it was a, it was a throwing it was a one a disposable, was, a disposable mattress cover. Mm -hmm. But it's supposed to protect against bed bugs. Right. Well, it's supposed. It's supposed I mean, it's to. It's a mattress cover. But uh, but the thing is that I am very allergic, and I always I'm always there can be only one bed bug. It's gonna bite me, and it is. And it did bite me. But we thought that we we saw the bites in the morning. It, it just like one bite, and it looked like a mosquito bite. Right. And so we were we had started the the T2W episode, and we were about to start talking about the Bolivian Revolution, uh -huh. and, and and she looked at her leg and there was like three large they, they always bite in a five yeah they always bite in the line in yeah the vertical line and they were swollen and big and so we just realized that and once you realize you have bed bugs you have to wash everything and, and it's a big ordeal and it's painful for like a week and and so right as we realized this we were we had to talk about the Bolivian revolution that was 17 years Aww. And we decided to keep talking. Well, I decided <laughs> that yeah. we would uh, that we'd keep talking about it. But uh, but you weren't really in the mood to. No. No, but uh, we did as best as we could. Yes, you did actually. But uh, so, yeah. uh, our story so was about a, a king who uh, a king who had a castle and he kept it very ugly. He painted it purple. It had pink flamingos in the front yard. The people didn't like it and. Uh, and so they, they wanted him to, to resign, and he said that if you win some sort of a, a play chess, a chess game once a year with this one guy, and uh, if you win, then I will give you independence. And eventually, after 17 years, the guy got good enough at chess. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Make an opera out of that one. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. 
so that, that that was our version. I'm glad we know the the true story now. Yeah, or at least um at least uh, a little bit a shell of the story anyway, just to know that um yeah, just to know sort of the, sort of the basics that Simon Bolivar was involved and. Um, that it took them that long and no, that think, there eventually will be an opera. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll look forward to the opera. And, and you know, you have, a, you have a band that could be in the pit for this opera. Uh, yeah, we do. Uh, well, yeah. And you have a lyricist, you have a composer, you have a band to be in the pit. I'm sure you know plenty of Second City actors in Chicago. Yeah, we got we, uh, we we can draw we can draw from a number of um, actors that we could like uh, shop it out and like sketch it and, and make. Um, I mean, I'm I'm sure I could find like actual operatic types to uh, to sing. I think you can make it happen. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, if um, again, like it all depends on. It's all about priorities, about whether you know, is this something I have to have to must or want to uh, pursue. Um, and if not, uh, maybe I'll maybe inspire someone else to. Um, Go forward with that project because um, you know yeah. ideas are transmutable like that. I think it has to be you. It has to be me. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, it's your idea. It's man. my idea, my baby. So we'll, we'll keep an eye out for the uh, Bolivian Revolution opera. opera yes, um, and you'll you hear it. You've heard it here first. So, uh, <laughs> well. Thank you very much thank again. Thank you for being on Talking to Walking. Uh, it's been it's a pleasure to have you. Yes, thanks, it definitely. It's been fun. Talking to the city on the Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you. Perfect. See you.